This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Stacey. Curtis. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> well, it is Seattle Sports at Night now. It's, it's underway. The music hits. We're on the air. We're talking. We're here now. We are. We're here in the present, in the now. Uh... We're, what, 24 hours away? Less than 24 hours away, because kickoff is at 7. We're, yeah. we're past that. We're almost there, man. I'm yeah. going to go to the grocery store in the morning, get snacks mm. and uh, pens and everything for my day, and then I'm going to get there early. Yeah, that's how you prepare for game day. How are you going to prepare? How am I going to prepare? What I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up probably around like 8. 2 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah, and then just roll into work here because uh, I'm working in studio okay. tomorrow night, so okay. uh, I, I don't have to battle the crowds at CenturyLink That's Field. Nice. But uh, it, yeah, it's it's all hands on deck. Like not just for the Seahawks, you know, which the people who everybody cares about, but it's all hands on deck for us here at seven ten. I mean, we got the pregame show starting at five o'clock, but that's really the the. I, we're all over the place, yeah, though. Like but Bob, like all Lydia, day we're leading up and to Danny it. Danny, are there? Yeah, uh, we got what Jessamine. She'll probably be there, uh, and we'll be representing Wy- seven ten. Well, we'll yeah, be, uh, and Wyman's on the call. Balls of paper, throwing them at the back of the uh, newspaper writers. Yeah, all those nerds. Oh, print media. And then catch us on that really digital like space you yeah subscribe and, and yeah <laughs> help keep print media <laughs> <laughs> but the seahawks they begin their preseason schedule tomorrow against the denver broncos yeah uh at CenturyLink field pregame show begins at five o'clock right here on 710 uh steve rabel dave wyman our buddy dave 1981 state champion in, in nevada he'll never let dave you forget wyman. it no he will not uh but he'll Is be wyman on the call. from nevada yeah Huh. Reno is where he's originally from. Oh. The biggest little city in the world, they call it. Is that what he calls it? And that's like on the sign of the city. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now you know. Now I know. You can go share that with your newspaper friends tomorrow. I will. Yeah. I will. But, hey, guys, the first thing guys, I'll tell them. Guess what? Fun fact. Well, we're full of fun facts here on Seattle Sports Tonight. Let's get into some more of those. Uh, on tonight's timeline, like we said, just 24 hours away from... The Seahawks preseason opener. Some big news, though, coming out of Seahawks practice today on who's going to be eligible tomorrow, who's not. Right. Russell Wilson will not play on Thursday night. Interesting because I believe this is the first preseason game he'll have I sure out. hope it is because that's what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> that's and, what I wrote and published. And so, if not, well, I don't know. If not, it is what it is. That's what I can edit it for. You know what, though? The dealio is uh, I got way more reaction from people on CJ Proceis' injury update, which kind of, it really does make me feel bad for him. I know that that sounds kind of unprofessional. That's the thing. It's It's open mic night when that happens. Exactly. And first of all, I've seen the exact same joke every single time, so Mm -hmm. I'm not laughing at it. And secondly, I understand that there is a pressure and there's a point with each player where even the team is like, dude, come on. Like, you got to help yourself here. There's only so much we can do. Yeah. But I never laugh at a player who is battling with stuff like that. Because either way, you're laughing at a 25-year-old. And you're laughing at somebody getting hurt. Right. Like, this guy is... Can't... He he is... 
unable to be on the field because of injury. Something it's not tells me he would like, rather be employed than not employed. Like, I don't think he's doing it on yeah, purpose. Like, it, he can be cut anytime. It's not like he's doing something to get himself suspended in these moments. It's just... You, for whatever reason, can't stay healthy right. enough to be on the active route. I'm not, and I'm not saying it and and being a fan or anything. I think I try to be really, really objective. In fact, and I still think it's just I hate tired jokes almost more than I hate anything else. And it's just the same thing all the time. And I don't know, like I, I don't know how you don't just kind of if you don't feel bad, then just be indifferent. It, it really doesn't matter. There are a million and five other new players to keep an eye on. You don't need to get mad about CJ Procise not being out there. That's my that's my only like fiery opinion of yeah. the injury report. Just because it's like when you're mentioned in it and you see it all the time, it's just like I don't know, I don't know. It's not a type of joke that I make, so I don't really like it. Be better with the jokes, folks. That's that's what you're going to learn from us here tonight. Because if there's any two people that can tell a great joke... It's us. Well, maybe. It's not us. <laughs> no. We made some good jokes in our group thread with Jake earlier. We did, All yeah. All at Jake's expense. Yeah, Jake uh, not able to be here tonight. He's he's on daddy duty. Right, he has a newborn. Uh, he does. Who he's known for like three days and somehow chose him over us. Yeah, um, Jake, we go way further back. We go way back. further back than you and Bodie. Yeah, what was it? You you were like, oh, I, can't, I can't hang out tonight. Literally he meets Bodie like when Sunday, yeah. Saturday, and all of a sudden it's like, "Ooh, Bodie, this, Bodie, that." Uh, Jake, where was Bodie in where was February Bodie exactly when, when this we version of Seattle Sports Night launched? Yeah, uh, not here. Mm-mm. Mm. Wow, I guess guess we know where we're at on the Heaps You've family pack ordering. You've yeah. changed. Yeah, my name's Jake. I take care of my Ooh. family. Taxes. Ooh. Okay, pal. Okay. 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 Wow, dude. And next on the wow. <laughs> Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Hard Knocks <laughs> premiered last night. Did you take... Yes. You, you got Can I tell you my favorite part? What I want to see if you have the part? favorite part. Cleland Farrell riding oh, horses. Oh, yeah, yeah. So and Holding good. hands with yes. Jonathan Abram. Yep. That was a good one. It was a beautiful scene. Yeah. I'm I'm down for... I think it was Brooke Pryor who... Does she write for the Chiefs? I believe so. Uh, who tweeted, sign me up for this as an entire series. Yeah, that just was... Just these two. That was a lot of fun. There's uh, a Luke Wilson sighting. Just a very is. brief one. And it's not the fun-loving Luke that we've all come no, to know and love over not. the last couple of years. It's an intense Luke. Yeah. It's like, hey, youngster. Um, yeah. And when you refer you to somebody feel, by a youngster. You, yes, when you are 29 years old and you call someone youngster. Yeah. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, Luke Wilson. Did you see the other clip of him? I, I must have missed it, it. I think, okay, so I think it's through the Hard Knocks account. I sent it to Jessamine and Mora, and uh, I'll have to check and see if it's something that they can upload but it's luke wilson talking about john gruden saying something about his calves and that's more like classic luke wilson it's like yeah he goes up to him and he's like bro coach said something about my calves just now and then the camera pans down and zooms in on his calves <laughs> implying that they're like too small like he's like you need bigger calves that, that that's sounds very like, luke wilson yeah. well I mean, Luke Wilson was the innovator of Short Shorts Thursday. Which is I feel like your calf kept games, alive. Yeah, I feel like your calf game's got to be strong when you're rocking those. Like, you can't just go out there with cankles. I mean, it's not like he shorts. lost the calves. I mean, he's always, he did Short Shorts, and he embraced his calves. So I, I hope that Gruden doesn't make him question that. You should always embrace your calves, no matter how big or incredibly non-existent they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was uh, the premiere of Hard Knocks uh, last night. 
Also in the news, the NCAA implementing a new rule in basketball that contact with agents can only be made with those who have bachelor's degrees. This is lame. Yeah. And the main reasoning behind this is LeBron's agent, Rich Paul, who has become like the biggest power broker in the sport. He doesn't have one. And so they're trying to curtail his influence on a lot of young players, which I think that's just, it's stupid. I feel like they're just determined to be like a cartoonish villain sometimes. Yeah. Like they're, I mean, Rich Paul's, he's going to be fine anyway. Like he's he's gonna make his money and, and do his yeah, thing and, and make I mean, players money that, as well. But also, like this rule doesn't need to exist. That's the thing about it. What does it accomplish other than like? And you can say, well, it's to keep people who are not professional and who want to take advantage of a 19 year old player from doing that. Fine, but there are there are gonna be people like that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you it, have? Do you want to hear the Luke Wilson sound? Yeah. Am I hooked up? You are. Okay, here we go. I was really nervous with my calves, and I was running by Coach Gruden, and I think he said something like, I couldn't understand him, but I think he said, hey, man, you got to get bigger calves. you got to get bigger calves. I don't know if he said it like that, but maybe I'm just in my head. Everyone does, man. Uh-oh. Cue the circus. So what you need to know is that at that moment, the camera towards the second half of that for like 10 seconds pans down to his calves and just zooms in. <laughs> That's some solid camera work. That's some good production. Yeah. I mean, HBO, they, they spare no expense in, in Hard Knocks, and it... It's a good episode. It was like if you've never seen season. if you've never seen any episode of Hard Knocks, like it's not your typical NFL films production where it's like oh the gladiators out on the field. No, it shows a little more of the personality of everybody around yeah. and it makes it humanizes everybody. It does in the sense of too like it gives you a sense of what it would be like. Like there's specifically a scene when it's the first day of uh, presumably training camp. So everyone's, it could have been any time, but I'm guessing training camp. So everyone shows up to this auditorium where Gruden is going to give a speech and, and lay out the rules of camp. And you see people walking in and, you know, some of the guys have backpacks. They're all sitting in essentially this like lecture hall looking room. And you just get this, like, I had a feeling of anxiety, like it was the first day of school. And it's really those moments that you watch. And for people that just kind of have a hard time seeing players is also young men you watch it and you realize oh my gosh like this would be the most nerve-wracking feeling to walk in as a rookie and just feel like you're like it's like the first day of school but a million times worse because people on twitter also yell at you it's the and it also like you're a rookie an undrafted free agent or something you're walking into the same classroom as antonio brown as Derek carr as all these guys that have made it in the NFL and have gotten those big time deals, and you know, in, in, in the case of Antonio Brown, probably the best at his position in the NFL, mm-hmm. if not top two or three, easily. And like, if you're just a young kid who who went to a Division two college and you're you're finally getting an opportunity, like it's like going into a classroom and knowing that like. The valedictorian it of is. the class is also feeling. there. This is how I felt going into classes as I came from a school that didn't have uh, AP or honors or anything and went into a class, uh, an English class in my freshman year where there were people who like were super smart like brilliant kids that were used to talking about these things and you just feel like I don't know how people don't shut down in those moments. I guess that's what makes you 
like a pro athlete in that moment or whatever. But yeah, it's it's a really cool episode that I think if you're you're right, if you haven't seen it before, I think it captures really well what you get from Hard Knocks. It does. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports at Night, the Seahawks, they will have their preseason opener tomorrow. Pete Carroll with some key injury updates on who's going to be available tomorrow, who's not. Russell Wilson, he's already been ruled out, so who's going to take his place as the starting quarterback tomorrow? We'll get into all of that coming up next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Ross, 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Ross. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Listen to Seattle Sports tonight via the 710 Sports app. It's driven by your Puget Sound Accurate dealers. You can use some text questions to the Coors Light text line 710-710 for Ask Us Anything. That's a half hour from now. we got Curtis Rogers, myself, Stacy Ross, herself. We're here with you. On St- was that a weird way to refer to like myself and it you? It just sounded like it was like you and Curtis Rogers. Yeah, we got it's like we got Stacy Ross, uh, me, and <laughs> yeah. Curtis Rogers also. I know. Um, you know, it's it's not bad to refer to yourself in the third person. Uh-huh. It's fun to do that. Curtis okay. thinks it's very fun to do that. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so the Seahawks uh, tomorrow, they take on the Denver Broncos in the preseason opener. Pete Carroll today with a lot of updates on who's going to be playing, who's not going to be playing, who's injured, who's healthy, what's going to go down with a lot of these names. Russell Wilson obviously being the biggest one. Not for an injury or anything like mm-hmm. that, but he has been ruled out for Thursday night's game. Uh, just they don't want him hurt because this is the biggest investment in the NFL. Like no one's right. making more money than him. And you want to protect those assets. I'm not expecting him to miss every preseason game. I just don't think that's Carroll's approach. But when you think about it, like they have a battle at backup quarterback that I think has has been mostly settled, but they have a lot to work out. And Geno mm-hmm. Smith is dealing with an undisclosed injury which we'll presumably get more information about after the game. But other than that, it's like you don't have a ton of depth. Your season is in big trouble, like it would be with any team with a talented franchise quarterback. If you lose your quarterback, there's a huge drop-off. So why, you know, if he if he would go I out there for it. a single series, yeah, I think that this is something that, like, most other teams have kind of started doing. Now, well, I don't think he's going to rest, like, a Sean McVay-style approach where you just rest starters completely. Mm-hmm. He still said it's likely Bobby Wagner will play. Yeah. And Bobby Wagner had a procedure done, like, Sunday. I completely agree with their decision to sit Russell Wilson at least tomorrow because... It just the risk far outweighs the benefit of playing him. Yeah. And also we've seen it in the past in the NFL where star players go out first preseason game and mm-hmm. they take a wrong step, yeah. tear an ACL. They take a wrong step, blow out their leg. We saw it with Michael Vick in 2004. It happens during practice. I yeah. mean, you know, Nick Bosa injured today in San Francisco. Um, I think Marquise Goodwin also is injured. Obviously, it's like sometimes the injuries are just kind of things that you just – it's fine. And with mm-hmm. a guy like Nick Bosa or in the Seahawks case, LJ Collier, if LJ Collier hadn't been injured, you'd still want him out there. You weren't yes. just going to say, well, just for the, the first game experience. Hit. It's exactly. his first time playing against NFL caliber talent. But it's, Russell Wilson doesn't have to prove anything in the preseason. No, he's got eight years of, of just tremendous play uh, that really speaks for itself. Some other big injury updates. though. Ed Dixon, 
uh, underwent surgery, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to be out about four to five weeks after having surgery on presumably a knee injury. Uh, the tight end situation and running back situation, for that matter, are a little bit weird heading into the game. Normally, you would rest the starters and play backups, but... For the running backs, you've got C.J. Procise out. He has a hip sprain. Travis Homer has a quad strain, and he's also out. He was going to be one of my players to watch. So with those guys out, that leaves the running back group of Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, and like J.D. McKissick, McKissick, Bo Scarborough. Scarborough. So J.D. McKissick is going to be a game day decision. He has a foot injury. Um, He has been at practice. I think he might have left practice the other day. I'm not entirely sure, but he did return after the mock game because he sat out the mock game. Pete Carroll talking uh, today to the media at uh, Seahawks headquarters, talking about how this first game is mainly going to be for the young guys to show their their game. It's really the game to get guys to get the season started and get these young guys rolling and give them the opportunity to compete like we want to compete around here. We want to see these guys, see if they can help our football team, and they can't do it just watching. They got they need to get out and play. So uh, excited for that and, and looking forward to it, and, and uh, it's really fun to be com- coming out and see Link first chance and all that. So uh, we'll see if we can show you some good ball. So an example of one of those young guys would be strong safety Marquise Blair, who Pete Carroll said the team is really interested in seeing. They took him in the second round. I believe he was the second player chosen by Seattle. Yes, they took Collier with their first round and pick. And then Metcalf, and then... No, they took uh, Collier, Blair, then Metcalf. Yes. Metcalf was at the end of the yeah. second round. Um, this is a guy who... The team really likes his hard-hitting style. They're interested to see what he can do with that safety group that is is far from being settled there, other than Bradley McDougald being an obvious starter. Um, he also missed a lot of time in OTAs and rookie minicamp with a hamstring injury and the team's regular minicamp. So he's only been back um, for a little while for part of training camp. So I think they're really interested in seeing him uh, on a game day. So that's an example of a young guy they want to see get a lot of time. Um, obviously, there's uh, wide receivers. DK Metcalf will be out there. I don't know how much he'll play. But again, it's like people are just like, well, he's a, he's a starter, presumably. So it'll be fine. But these guys need reps. I think with Bobby Wagner not playing, Russell Wilson not playing, I think DK Metcalf becomes the biggest focus for just about any any fan out there oh, yeah. tomorrow at CenturyLink Field. Like there's like I mean LJ Collier if he were healthy maybe that'd be somebody you'd want to keep an eye on just because he was the first round pick. Uh but like other than DK Metcalf there's nobody on the roster tomorrow that's going to have that pop factor the way Well, and he I think does. it's being a skill position too. Yes. Like it's I think that had Rashad Penny not had that uh, finger injury in training camp last year that he probably would have been someone like that. Mm-hmm. The, there wasn't as much hype around him as there is around Metcalf, but it's just having something different, I feel like, that people are thinking this is a different type of receiver than they've had before, so what's he going to be like on the field? And a lot of fans haven't seen him. I mean, I know training camp feels packed, and the mock game Saturday at Pop Keeney felt packed, but thousands and thousands of fans are going to be there who haven't had a chance to see any of these guys. Yeah, because at Seahawks headquarters, there's only room for probably a, a couple thousand people yeah. there, if that. Mm-hmm. And then at Pop Keeney, same thing. And tickets sell out so quickly. Yeah. So, and CenturyLink Field is 60 something thousand. So, there's going to be a lot of people at the game tomorrow who have not gotten to pay witness to DK Metcalf in person. And, and just a couple of times I was out of practice, I mean, my eyes were drawn to him. Like, it, it's, he is so different 
physically compared to everybody else out there. Yeah, he's made a couple of really impressive catches. And I know that this time of training camp is kind of like wide receiver exhibition time because you can't really uh, like physically attack someone the way that you would tackle them. Um, Trey Flowers almost made a play on the ball going against Tyler Lockett and got an almost got an interception, but Going against DK Metcalf, he's had less less luck, which is kind of to be expected. I remember Trey Flowers' first year, we were interviewing him, and it was about Brandon Marshall, and he's like, you know, there are some guys, it's just hard learning how to cover them because, and I'm summarizing what he's saying, but it's because it's, it feels like they're impossible to cover, and that's what you want with those big receivers. And say what you will about Jimmy Graham or Brendan Marshall and their contributions to this team, but those were the kind of guys that I think this team saw and thought, you know what, when these guys get going – what can you do other than like a six foot something dude in the back of an end zone, just holding up his arms, what cornerback is going to be able to really, really, you know, have an even match with that guy most of the time. So with all of, or with a lot of key contributors out tomorrow, who do you think has the best opportunity to make a case for themselves given this opportunity? I think, and I'm borrowing from Pete Carroll here, I think rather than just a young, like a rookie, a guy like Jerome Brown or David Moore, probably David Moore will see more time. Those are guys that kind of, with the draft of three wide receivers, other incoming undrafted rookie wide receivers, and obviously the hype around DK Metcalf, Jerome Brown and David Moore have kind of been like swept under the rug a little bit. Definitely afterthought. Which is yeah. which is so weird because David Moore was like the story of last year's preseason and and kind of took over and, and took off, for that matter, um, right after Brandon Marshall was released by this team. Obviously, he, he tapered off by the end of the year, but but he was someone that, that people were really intrigued by. And, you know, it's just people see this shiny new thing and they get excited. But that's a guy that can definitely still come out and prove that he deserves to be that, you know, number two, number three receiver you know, he still has a lot to prove. He's still a young guy, but he's he has done more in the league than DK Metcalf, who hasn't played a single like regular season snap. So there's still a chance for you to come out and kind of prove your veteran status. So a guy like David Moore or those like second, third year players like Rashad Penny, I think those are the guys that are almost more intriguing than the rookies. Part of that is because there's a few rookies that won't be playing. So Travis Homer, I would have said LJ Collier, I would have said, but those guys will both be out. Make sure you're downloading the Seattle Sports Tonight podcast, 710sports.com. Click on On Demand, scroll down. We're there for you every hour of every episode at your fingertips. Curtis Rogers and Stacey Rost here with you. Coming up next, big if true, UW entering into the transfer business. Their quarterback is a transfer, so why do they have an issue with one of their former quarterbacks transferring away from the program? We get into that next. Curtis Rogers, Stacey Rost. 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need your text questions to the Coors Light text line 710-710. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacy Rost with you. For the next still oh, 25 minutes or so here on this Wednesday night. Tomorrow, you'll catch the Seahawks game 
in our place. Uh, it'll be pregame show starting at 5, kickoff at 7, and then we got the postgame show for a couple hours following the conclusion of the game. So uh, big Seahawks night coming your way tomorrow night here on 710 ESPN Seattle. But also in the news this week, uh, the Huskies, they began fall camp. And one former player who is now with UCLA, that's former backup quarterback Colson Yankoff, uh, he's enrolled at UCLA. He's trying to gain eligibility for the 2019 season without having to sit out the required year uh, that the NCAA has enforced for whatever reason. Uh, and so that brings us to tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Didn't did he, he say, say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Now the reason this story is tonight's Big If True is... Yankoff is trying to get immediate eligibility at UCLA, be be ready to go this season. And Washington, they're not allowing that. For whatever reason, they're saying, no, you have to sit out a year because this is not a standard hardship uh, request waiver. This is just simply a playing time request. But it it makes Washington look like the bad guys here because like, this kid just wants to play. And as the common argument goes for this, like if he were transferring for academic purposes, he doesn't have to sit out a year. If he were right. transferring for, you know, family reasons, he doesn't have to sit out a year. But because it's playing time related, the NCAA and the Huskies are being sticklers about it and saying, no, like we're not going to release you and we're not going to, you know, let you go and do whatever it is you want to do, even though it's, it, in essence, it's completely harmless that he chose UCLA. Well, it doesn't make any sense because UW won't play them yeah, they this don't, year. They don't play UCLA. They're not scheduled to play them and until the 2021 season. he wasn't starting quarterback. No, it's, he was like third or fourth on the depth chart. Yeah. So, I mean, I it's, it's something like, you know, I understand in theory why you would have this rule, obviously. Like, you wouldn't want your starter to go to another school and then play you in six months. But it's just none of that really is in play here. Yeah. And so are you just following the rules because it's there and you feel like you have to? Or, I mean, I don't. It's And this is my alma mater, so I'm trying mm-hmm. to, to be unbiased. I think the Huskies are trying to use the whole, well, Jacob Eason sat out a year and we had to wait for him to become eligible before we could use him. But it's well, like Jacob guys- Eason would have been competing for a starting job immediately. Yeah. Like... Jacob Eason's former five-star recruit, right. Colson Yankoff, in his different. own right, yeah, Colson Yankoff actually he was a he was a good recruit. I think he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school, which is, I mean, that's not too shabby. That's pretty dang good. And so because of that, I think the Husky fans or well, not fans, I'm sure there is a, a big part of the fan base that thinks, yeah, this is fine. Like I don't see why. Anybody would want to leave this storied program and oh man, we're we're so you know mighty are the men in purple and gold. I don't know. I, I feel like every time, maybe especially with UW because I was there at the time. It's just like this is an argument that's been made before, but you always draw comparisons to the idea of coaches leaving and just resuming with another program immediately, and the kind of I guess frustration that players feel about that is completely understandable to me. Because if you're a coach and you can leave your program before the season's over, mm-hmm. join another program, why would a third or fourth string quarterback 
not be allowed to resume immediately play with the team that his former school won't face for two years. And also, he's not costing the school millions and millions of dollars by enrolling there. He's costing them a scholarship, right? which is far less than the like five, six, seven million dollars that yeah. a lot of these coaches are making out there. Like it, 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 the money factor should not be any sort of thing in, in this. And I get that, you know, UCLA's head coach is Chip Kelly, who the Huskies have had, kind of had it out for for a long time because he was the head coach of the Ducks for such, for, for, for their most successful period in school history, a year where they just wiped the floor with the Huskies every single time they played against each other. But that was a long time ago. And UCLA and the Huskies don't play each other for a couple of years. And mm-hmm. when, if slash when Yankoff is ruled eligible, if he does have to sit out those two years, like he'll only play against the Huskies one time. And if he does get eligible this year, then there's a possibility he leaves after his junior season and never plays against the Huskies. So there, there's very little danger for the Huskies in letting him go. And if you feel this strongly about his playing ability after he's left the program, if you feel like this is somebody that's going to come back and bite you, why did you let him go in the first place? Why didn't you give him those opportunities to start right off the bat? Because like, if you're this scared, if you're this worried that he could come back and just wreck shop on you, Maybe you shouldn't have let him go in the first place. Maybe you should have given him those opportunities that maybe in hindsight you think, oh, he, he could have he could have earned those. Are you calling hypocrisy with this case in particular, or do you have an issue with the transfer rule in general? Because I have an issue with the transfer yes. rule in general, but I, I think that what you're talking about is also different than when people say, well, Eason had to set out a year. I, I have an issue with the transfer rule. I think it's stupid. I, I think it's archaic, and I think – that everybody should be eligible regardless of situation. I also think that Chris Peterson can get pretty dang sanctimonious about himself and his program and how like he prides himself on how little scholarship offers they give, and they'd yeah. be like, you should value that more than any other scholarship offer. It's like, I mean, all these kids who get scholarship offers, they're thankful for it. They'll tell you on their Twitter account how thankful they are. But to sort of say, like, oh, because we don't offer many kids, like, you should be thankful we came calling. It's like that generational thing of, like, you should be grateful for the opportunities you have. And it's like, yeah, but what if this opportunity isn't helping me anymore? Am I suddenly selfish for wanting more? Yeah. Like, am I selfish for seeking something? Like, am I selfish for not wanting an unpaid internship? Well, and the Huskies should be thankful that these kids even consider them in the first place. Like, they should be thankful that Colson Yankoff at one time thought that they were going to be a program that was going to get him to where he wanted to go in football. And for them to kind of, you know, be this holier-than-thou mindset, which, like it or not, a lot of Husky fans and a lot of Husky people get stereotyped with that. Like, they think... I don't think it's just the Huskies. I think it's it's any, a lot of college football. It's programs, a lot of college football, but just programs. specifically Locally, in yes. this area, yeah. it is very much part and parcel with the Husky football program that they have this sort of elitist mindset that you know we have won a national championship in our past, so that entitles us to act a certain way. And I think this is a, a clear case of that. And I, I just I don't like the the way that they're swinging their stick at this poor kid who just says, I don't want to be Husky anymore because I'm not getting to where I want to go. No, I agree. It's just, 
I, I will admit that part of it's because I went to Washington, but for me, it's hard to just separate my own issues with the NCAA in general from this issue and not see it as just a bigger problem with. And that's not that Washington isn't at fault. You, sh- it's you are the reason that he's not able to play right now. Like yeah. you're blocking this for him. Um, so they're not without fault, but I think in general there are just rules that I just wonder. This is one of them, but it's like the pay for play thing too, where I just wonder. When and where is the NCAA going to have to budge eventually? Because this isn't going to hold no. for that much longer. So you just wonder, like, is it going? What's it going to be? I don't think it's going to be Colson Yankoff, but what's it going to be where the NCAA decides to be a little more lenient? And who knows, right? Like, if a Supreme Court becomes more conservative, maybe they don't have to worry about it after all because they're going to tend to want to stay to precedent that's already there. So so who knows? But I just I can't see it lasting for a much longer. No. And I just it just the feels sometimes break. like Mark Emmert is trying to grasp onto things and hold on to things for dear life. And it's just it's an uphill battle to me. It's like, man, you got to be. Well, why would you want to get ahead of it? This? Like, why wouldn't you want to say instead of being told how we're going to compensate players and I think players should be compensated. But say that you say that you disagree with that and you're the NCAA, but you want to get ahead of it, then allow them to be compensated for names, images, and likeness. Or allow them to not have to sit out a year when they transfer. Like, there are ways for you to get out ahead of it instead of being told what to do. And they refuse to do even that. I think so many colleges and also the NCAA make these decisions without asking the question, where is the win in this? Where, where do we come out on the end looking like the good guy? Where do we come out... Uh, at the end, making it look like we made a, a smart decision. Because so often, like you said, these decisions get made and these rulings get made without really anything looked at beyond what it is. And the transfer rule, very indicative of that, where it's like you have to sit out a year. But what about all these coaches that leave middle of the season right. and, and then end up... Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Ditching players before their bowl game. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I've talked to a few people uh, that played for Sark uh, with the Huskies, you know, over the last couple of years. They hate that guy because he, he just ditched out well, on them after promising the world. Particularly in football, when you preach teamwork and selflessness, it's just a very, that doesn't always sit well with 19 and 20 year olds. No, not not even a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, it's something where, and I understand, I think the NCAA, the one thing they have going for them is that I the majority of Americans, a slim majority, but the majority of Americans uh, still support the idea of not paying athletes. Although I will say, on the flip side, a minority of Americans are opposed to pay or, uh, players being compensated for names, images, and likenesses. So there's still something there where they can give that they just refuse to. But I don't think it's long before... Like, that trend is declining. I don't think it's long before you start to see a switch where people say, you know what, like, the arguments that I used to think where, you know, you need these programs to support other programs and what other issues are there. Suddenly, like, it's worth looking into that seriously and and finding ways to solve it because no longer can you just sit and let a program or an institution make billions. We need and, your text questions to the Coors Light text line 710710. <laughs> it just got dark. It's it did. Sad. It did. And we're up against the clock. So we gotta we got to keep it moving here. We need your text questions to the Coors Light text line 710710. It's time for us to guess anything here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.
Live from the Alaska Airline Studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night Tonight with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Text question time. It's time to ask us anything here on Seattle Sports at Night. Curtis Rogers, Seahawks insider Stacy Rost with you. Tomorrow night, it's the Seahawks and the Broncos right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, but in the meantime, as we continue to count it down, we need those text questions. Stacy, you're in charge of it. So, Curtis. So what are you seeing right now? Curtis. Stacy. What is the best board game? Best board game. I'm going to go with with Trivial Pursuit. Just because. You would like yeah, Trivial Pursuit. I would. Um, Do you also, use like the millennial version that's easier? Uh, I mean, you, it's good to keep it up to date because then you got to get your mindset to like, what would this answer be in 1987? That's and it's true. like, mm, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Sometimes it's not correct anymore. Exactly. Uh, also, the game of life. That's a good one as well. Oh, I thought you were making a joke. No, like the like board the, game. The board game yeah, life. With the, the spinner. And a lot of people think Monopoly. I don't like Monopoly. I don't like it I've either. Never liked it. Takes too long, and you end up losing friends at the end. Yeah, it's just a messy game that teaches us to be greedy mm-hmm. and take advantage of the people that we love <laughs> for economic. Gain. Yeah. Uh, another game I don't like that I used to play when I was like a teenager. You ever play Settlers of Catan? No. It's a really boring game. Did you like it? No. Okay. I mean, I had friends that liked it, and so we would play it every now and then. It takes forever, and I bet I'm going to get roasted on the text line for not liking it, because it's one of those games that, like, for whatever reason, is, like, really big. Yeah. I I just never got into it. Do you have an awful customer service experience? Uh, I've got a few. I used to work the box office at the Shower Center in Kent. Okay. And Disney on Ice was always the most hectic Ooh. time of year. Parents, Be- yeah. I would imagine. Are- parents that like aren't used Nightmares. to taking kids. Yeah, parents that aren't used to taking kids to like big events at like arenas and stuff, and so they're not used to like buying tickets and all that. So sometimes parents would purchase tickets, and I use air quotes when I say tickets on like Craigslist, which at the Shower Center. For anybody who's ever gone there, you know the only way you can get tickets there is through the box office. Mm-hmm. Like there, you can't sell them on the secondary market. So any ticket that's sold on like Craigslist or anything like that, it it's fake. And so having to break that news to a lot of parents that spent like two hundred, two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars on tickets, it's like yeah, dude, See, that you does, got jib, and it does really, really suck. But one thing I'll and they get mad at you for it, and it's that's like the thing. I wasn't the one that made this purchase. So there was a question was about you. a while ago about like the worst type of person, and I think that's who it is. It's someone that's really mean to someone in customer service experience. Because all of my very, very worst experiences in customer service, where I felt like crying, was when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. or at the very least twenty-one or younger, and it was an adult. Like being really cruel. And I just think, how awful of a person are you? If you're someone who's really mean to someone who has little or no power over why you are somehow like being wronged, what's wrong with you, bro? Yeah. (laughs) Calm down. It is not my fault that tickets to the zoo are $20. Like I didn't, I didn't set this up. I'm just here selling them to you. I'm just take it or leave it, man. Please don't make me feel awful about my life. And then like they're those parents that like, 
when they get that news, they're like, I want to talk to your manager. And it's like, okay, you your manager's going to say the exact same thing I said. Yeah. Have you ever had anyone tell your manager you should be fired? Uh, no. That happened to me one time. I was working at my very, very first job. I was 16 years old. And oh, I was working at an Italian restaurant, and a, a woman came in with her kids, and it's one of the busiest days of the year. The power is out, uh, almost like in several blocks surrounding us, so we're the only place that's open. It's my third day ever on this job, and we had an old-school cash register where you don't have like things where it's like lasagna, press lasagna. Like You add up things. There's a lot of steps. Like It's pretty uh-huh. old-school. You like write tickets, clip it up on the thing. It's there's no automate like there's no automation with this. So there's a lot of room for human error. And I made a mistake, which is I wrote down her order and I accidentally clipped it onto the thing where the completed orders go. Again, Uh it is my third day ever. And like I've probably been working the cash register for a total of like two hours. And she told my boss, so she didn't get her pizza on time. She had to wait a while. We redid it for her once we found out the mistake. But she told my boss that she should be fired. Wow. That I should be fired, I mean. Like, she's telling this to my boss. And I remember at the time I was mortified and I felt really bad. And I was like, oh, I hope I don't get in trouble. Now as an adult, looking back, I just think, what is wrong with you? Like, I was so... You never feel like a kid when you're a kid. I was Uh, so obviously a kid. Yeah. Like, what is your... What's your damage? Did you... Did your boss at the time just be like, don't worry about it? Like, yeah. it happens. Yeah. Like, I remember being really afraid of, like, my boss and thinking she'd be mad. But now I look back and I'm like, that was the right way to handle it. Was to immediately reassure me that, like, this person that's, like, your parents' age, so you're nervous about being in trouble. Yeah. Because it's like, you're, like a parent. Like, you're not. You're fine. But yeah. it's, it's, it's really only when you're older that you look back at those moments and think, what I wish I could say now I res- if that happened to I me. respect people... So much more if I know that they've worked in customer service. It's it really is something yeah. where it it teaches you. It doesn't just make you be a bit more patient, but I think you never treat someone else like that yeah. because you know what it's like to. The thing with customer service too, and this is the worst, is people know you can't say anything. Uh-huh. So it's almost like they do it knowing that it's like yelling at. Uh, it's essentially Twitter. It's yelling at someone that you know can never hurt you back. Well, and that was the thing at the shower center is that we had a glass partition between us and the customers, and I think that gave a lot of people like an added like yeah, because they, uh, they think oomph to their what they were saying. It's like, dude, if this wasn't here, you would not be saying this. So. That's what it is. It's it's you knowing that like I can't say anything back to you. So you're just taking out all of your anger and frustration. And I feel bad that you're angry and you're rushed and you're, yeah. you're, you have all these kids and you're probably stressed out. But at the same time, like I'm 20 years younger than you and it's not my fault. And it's not. Yeah, it's I will say that is one of my biggest pet peeves. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but like it's a deal breaker if you're out with someone and they're a jerk to anyone. in yeah, customer service. Any it's kind of automatic. Way, so. Like I we're this is not happening. Well, let's let's end it on a positive note. Okay. We have, do we have. Another question from the Coors Light text line. That was a good one. Let's do general. What's the funniest memory from your past? Funniest memory from my past? Uh, Man, funniest memory from my past. There have been so many. I have one. I don't know if it's for air, so maybe I'll share it after. Okay. Hmm. Funniest (laughs) memory from my past. (laughs) Anyone that's had pets, there's a lot of them. We yeah. have a we have a puppy who's just really stupid. We so when I was a kid, I don't know if this is necessarily funny, but like my sister, she went away to summer camp 
for a week and put me in charge of watching her hamster. And I was like seven years old, eight years old nice. at the time. Nice, very responsible. Yeah. Well, first day, the hamster gets out of its cage. And, You're the worst! And I can't find it. And so I'm just feeling dejected and like, I just lost my sister's pet. It's gone forever. Meanwhile, hamsters only live for like a few months. Yeah. So uh, we were eating dinner one night during the week. This, I think it was Is like- Is she back yet? No. She got, she gets back at the end of the week. This is probably like Tuesday or Wednesday. So you're just ruminating on Yeah. Your so error. we're eating dinner at the, at the family it's dinner the table. It's the hamster. No. <laughs> but we hear this like scratching in the kitchen- but we can't hear or we can't see where it's coming from. It's coming from underneath the sink and we see these whiskers pop out and it's my sister's hamster. Oh yeah. But like we can't like get it out. We can't like reach in and grab it. So yeah. what we did was we like put food out for it and it like came out and then we grabbed it, put it back in its cage. That's just an adorable story. Yeah, it is an adorable story. That's a good note to leave on. That's right? good. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to do it for us, for Seahawks insider Stacy Rost. I'm Curtis Rogers. This is Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.